month is our month of revival or overflow blessings. And last week, Reverend started a journey with us. Reverend started a journey with us and he taught us about is the Lord your shepherd or is the Lord my shepherd? And he was using Psalm 23 and he was re-echoing the fact that the Lord is my shepherd. Mine. You know, sometimes a personality can be for everybody but depending on your relationship with the person, you know the person on a different tangent. So we might all have Rishi Sunak as a prime minister, but to somebody, Rishi Sunak is a father. You get it? Yes. So God might be the creator of the universe. God might be all that everybody calls him to be. But to you, who is God? So on Sunday, Reverend taught us about, is the Lord your shepherd? And one of the things that he mentioned was that God's blessing for me and for you is because he wants to partner with us. So some of us, you know, instead of the blessing causing us to even become much, much more interested in the things of God and even serving him on another tangent, it takes us away. But he reminded us that God's blessing for you is that you are able to also support his cause. Amen. And he talked about the shepherd and he said one of the things that the shepherd can do for you is that the shepherd can cause you to lie down. Amen. So if you call somebody your shepherd and that person is not able to instruct you, you know, there are some people that they say that I am my own person. You know, I am a self-made person. Nobody can, you know, I don't know what... I'm here to see a self-made person on earth because at every point in your life, you've either been helped in one way or the other. Oh, yes. You know, life is such that you'll be helped until you die. You get it? Even when you are coming on in the world, you have to be helped to come out. You get it? And you'll be helped gradually. You know, some, even when you come, you don't know how to change you're not, you don't even know when you're going to pull out. People be helping you, helping you. Then suddenly you become a 30-year-old man or woman. They say that I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. It's not true. Amen. Yes, and Reverend said that. Can you be corrected? Can you be corrected? You know, some people, the last time you will talk to them is the time that you correct them. That will be the last time. Who are you to talk to me? Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? You know, so anytime we go about repeating the Psalm 23, we should realize that for you to accept somebody to be your shepherd, it entails a lot. Yes. It's like saying that, oh, Reverend Chris is my pastor. Oh, he's my pastor. I love him so much. Until he calls you into his office and says that, sit down. What kind of thing did you do? That was very, it did not make a lot of sense. Then you begin to think, why is this hurting me? Is he your shepherd? Amen. So that was what Reverend preached to us last week. And today, um, I have a very short message for us. Second Kings chapter 4. It's quite a long scripture, but I think that 
one of the hallmarks of the house of God is that we have to read scriptures. Amen. Yes, you know, Jesus said that the house is a house of prayer. It's also a house of the word. You know, in the, you know, in the times of Jesus, they will go to the, 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 the synagogue and they will give a scroll to you. And you read. So you read, you go and sit, another person will come take the scroll. So they were just listening to the word. No commentary, no preaching. It's the word. You know, so we'll be ready anytime we come to the house of God, be ready to listen to the word of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Second Kings chapter 4. I'm reading from verse 1 to 17. It is a, it's a scripture that I believe a lot, a lot of us know, but I pray that it ministers to us today. Second Kings chapter 4 from verse 1. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha saying, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she cried, your maid servant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then pour it out, pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. Verse 5. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is another vessel. So she, so the oil ceased. There's not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God and he said, go, and go sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons live on the rest. Verse 8. You know, if you are reading, if you are checking from your Bible, you realize that there is a subtitle Elisha raises the Shunammite son. Can you see it? Yes. Verse 8. <laughs> now it happened, so this is a different story. Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunim, where there was a notable woman. Or a rich woman. And she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, Look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him there and a table, and a chair, and a lamp stamp. So it will be, whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. And it happened one day that he came there, and he turned into the upper room and laid down there. Then he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite woman. When he had called her, she stood before him, and he said to him, 
Say now to her, look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to, com- or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. Some versions say that I am satisfied. I'm okay. I don't need anything. Verse 14. So he, he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son and her husband is old. So he said, call her. When he had called her, she stood in the doorway. Then he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. But the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come of which Elisha had told her. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. It's a long message. eh? So, somebody's like, so what is he going to talk about? That is read such a long message. So, the message that I want to preach is titled, From Gaps to the Overflow. Hallelujah. So, the scripture has three characters. There's Elisha, the prophet. There's the prophet's wife. So, that prophet, we don't know the name. So, Probably it's one of the minor... You know, in those days, they used to have what they call the school of the prophets. So, I presume that that prophet that is mentioned here is one of the students or one of the prophets that was not well known. So, a a minor prophet or a small prophet. And there's also the rich woman. Hallelujah. Now, the rich woman... The story starts with the prophet's wife... Going to the going to Elisha and telling Elisha that you know what you know, prophet, your servant who happens to be my husband is dead, and he was the one that was taking care of us because of him. We had access to a lot of places, we could do a lot of things, we had a lot of privileges. But now he's no more. And because he's no more, we've been borrowing. And now we've gotten to the point whereby they want to come and take my children away. Are you following? And the prophet asks the woman a question and asks her that what is in your house? You know, it's a a, a question that does not make a lot of sense because if I had something in my house, would I have been coming to you to show me or to bless me or to give me something? So the first thing that the woman said is that actually there's nothing in my house. That was the first thought. That's the first thought. There's nothing in my house. Then she thought again. You know, we live in a world now that there is this deceptiveness of thinking that you have nothing. Because the have-nots watch the have, those that have on social media, those that have on TV. So, and because they are the ones determining what, let's say, beauty is, 
what, sorry ladies, what makeup is, what this is. So it's like even if you have, you don't see it unless you have that thing that the other person has. Do you get what I'm trying to say? And the woman said, I have nothing. But I came to tell you that you've got something. You, it's, it's not like you don't have anything. You've got something. So the woman thought about it and said, you know what? I don't have anything, but, but, but. So you know anything that lies but is like an afterthought. Because the principal thing is that I don't have anything in the house, but a jar of oil. Hallelujah. And you know one thing that you learn from the scripture is that Elisha did not come to give her a miracle, but he came to show her the miracle. Because some of us, we are living with miracles all around us, but we are not seeing. You are living with a husband who is a miracle. You are not seeing it. And you are just, you just, you know, you are just insulting as my lecture center. Or you are living with a mother. You know, some of us, we will never appreciate our mothers until the mother dies. Then you say that, how I wish. How I wish. How I wish. If I could get a day. So today I came to tell you that you've got something. And it's for you to be able to acknowledge and recognize the thing that you have. Some of us as young people, what we have is our strength. You know, you've got strength to do a lot of things. You know, one, one, person, one person told me that when you are young, you have strength and you have time, but you don't have money. And as you are growing, you begin to have money and little strength and little time. And as you progress, you see that probably, depending on how you live your life, there will be more money, little, little strength, and virtually no time. But you see that one of the assets that God has given to us that nobody can see that God has cheated him or her is time. All of us have 24. Or some people have 36. And you know, sometimes when you talk to some people, the way they are able to use their 24 hours, you become envious of their 24. And some of us, too, the way we misuse their 24 hours, some of us sleep 12 hours in the day, 50% of our life. We, we, we die 50% of our life. And the other 50% of our life, Netflix is about four hours in that. And being on TikTok is also about four hours in that one. So it's like you virtually have about four hours of productive time if there is anything like that. The woman said, I have a jar of oil. The question I want to ask is that what jar of oil do you have? For you, it could be your time, you know? And some of us, even that jar of oil we have is our faith. You know, some of us don't recognize our faith at all. We don't even see it to be anything. We don't see it to be a hiding place for us. Some of us, even the church is a jar of oil. In Psalm 84, I think verse 10, he says that a day in the house of the Lord is like a thousand elsewhere. And he said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper, like, you know, an usher or something in the house of the Lord, than to become something, something in the house of wickedness. Yes, he said, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. That is somebody who has seen that the house of the Lord is not the same as 
the, my office. Hallelujah. So the prophet tells the woman that go and borrow vessels. Somebody who is already owing. And the 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 <coughs> the creditor is coming to take the children. You are telling the same person to go and borrow. You know, sometimes how God works is always different from how we work. And how God wants us to do things is always different from how we want to do things. But the good thing is that the woman obeyed. And you see, God is always with a risk taker. God always wants to stretch us. God, you know, anyone that had a miracle in the Bible or somebody that decided to put aside logic and way. Anyone that had a miracle in the Bible. When Jesus told Peter and Co. that lunch into the deep, probably the other they were thinking that this guy does not know what he's talking about. Because if you knew what he's talking about, we have been fishermen from childhood. If you've been to the coastal community, you realize that some of the fishermen, they start at the age of 10. So by the time they are even 18, they are experienced. If you have eight years of experience in any job, you are a director or... Yes. Yes. So for them to obey, that shows that they had faith in his word. Amen. And I tell you that any time that the word of God comes to you, it might not make sense to you, but you have to obey. Hallelujah. The Bible says in the book of Psalm 81 verse 10, he said that I am the Lord your God that brought you out of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Open your mouth wide. God is after capacity. There is no capacity that intimidates God. You get it? You know sometimes you say that, oh, I want God to do this for me, but I know it's too difficult, so let's deal with the small one. There is nothing that you want or there is nothing that you need that God cannot accomplish for you. Hallelujah. I want us to come to the second woman, then I will sort of merge the two women, the two women together. Now, the second woman story starts from, I think, verse 8. Now, you see, the first woman was poor, right? The first woman was poor, had nothing. They were chasing, coming for her children. Now, we come to a second woman. You see, the Bible says that this woman was notable. See, if the Bible is saying that this woman is notable, then the person is notable. Because sometimes if I say, let's say, Minister Jewel is rich, probably all I'm trying to say is that he's richer than me. But on the, in the larger scheme of things, he's not that. I'm not saying, sorry. But, <laughs> of course, you, you, you are rich and you will be rich. You get it? Yeah, but the Bible is saying that this woman was a notable woman. You get it? And this woman cared so much about God and cared so much about the prophets that he, the woman went to the, to the husband and told the husband, you know what, let's build like, let's say maybe a second floor of our house and put a bed, a chair inside for this holy man that pay adventure. And it's not like the, the, the man of God was always going to be there every day. He said, adventure. If he comes around, then he comes and uses the place. Then we, we, all of us will be okay. 
you see, there's one thing that you can learn from this that your generosity and your heart of giving. You know, the Bible says that the liberal soul shall be made fat. There is, you know, the woman in the first story could go to the prophet because not her, but the husband had paid the price. And she was using the husband as a point of reference to say that my husband did this. And she, she, my husband committed himself. My husband did this. All that, she never mentioned her name because she knew that her, herself she had not contributed anything. So all that she was saying that, you know, my husband, my husband served you. My husband served God. My husband did this. My husband did it. And because of that, I'm poor. So she had a ticket. And this woman too decided that she will build something for the Lord. In the book of Luke chapter 7 verse 4 to 6, you know, there is something about the people that are generous towards the things of God. There is something about people that want to help in the advancement of the things of God. This is another man. In Luke chapter 7 verse 4 to 7, the Bible says, and when they, are, they came to, G, to Jesus, they begged him earnestly saying that the one for whom he should do this was deserving for he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them and when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent his friends from him and the story continued. But all that I wanted to say is that when they came to Jesus and said that this man needs your attention, one, because he had built us a synagogue and two, because he loved the nation, Jesus did not. You know, most times Jesus would say that, oh, I'll come. Remember the story of Lazarus? He said, oh, Lazarus is sick. And he stayed about two days. But when somebody that decided to work or do something for God's case was mentioned, he stopped everything that he was doing and decided to attend to the case. Hallelujah. And you know, the woman's, the woman's giving made the prophet uncomfortable. The prophet was sitting in the room and said, no. This woman cannot beat me to this. There is something that I can also do for her. You know, God is a giver. The Bible says in John chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You cannot outgive God. You cannot. That's why the Bible says, a liberal soul shall be made fat. He said, give and it shall be given unto you. So the prophet, who in this case is a representation of like God, was sitting in the room and it's like, no, this woman cannot outgive me. What can I do for this woman? And called the servant Gehazi and said, call this woman and ask her, what does she want? And the woman says that, I don't, the, the, the prophet says that I have connections with the king. I have co- connections with the commander in chief. If you need connections with the king, tell me, I can connect you. The woman said, I'm okay. I'm a woman of influence. I don't need anything. The prophet said, no, there's a gap. There has to be a gap because if there is no gap, I cannot fill it. You remember the first woman's gap was money issues. But this rich woman is behaving as if there is no gap in any way. But the prophet said, no, there is a gap. So the young woman, what do you want? Oh, I live among my own people. I have, I'm okay. I'm satisfied. I'm rich. Everything. You know, there's something that you can, you know, the woman had a, needed a son, but did not mention it. Could it also be that she's been praying about the thing for a very long time? It's not coming. So at some point, you phlegmatize the thing and say that life goes on. You know what? Probably I'm not supposed to have. So when we ask you an issue, you will not mention that one. 
Because in your mind, that one is no more an issue. It's, it's part of my life. But I came to tell you that if there is anything like that, bring it to the front burner. God is able. There's nothing that said that, oh, I've prayed about it. You know, I've done all that I'm supposed to do. People have told me to do this. I've done it. That is t- the prophet was still asking, what can I do for the woman? And the woman said, I don't have anything that you can do for me. And Gehazi said, no, you know what? She does not have a son or a child. And the husband is old. You see? Why don't you just say that he doesn't have a son? Why are you having the husband? <laughs> so the, 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 the servant is trying to present it as an impossible case. You get it? He said he does not have, she does not have a son and the husband is old. Then the prophet said, I've identified the gap. I've identified the gap that I can cause a flow. Now, I want us to begin to look at the two women together. So let's say this is the woman, because the examples are not that good, so I don't want to call anybody and say, that, oh, you are the poor woman. Oh, you are the... <laughs> Hallelujah. So this is the, 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 the prophet's wife. This speak. Yes. And this one too is the rich woman that does not have a child. You know, when you stand in between the two women, it begins to be interesting. Why? Because when we started talking about the first woman, I thought that woman was poor. But when we started looking at the second woman, too, I realized that she too, she's not that rich. Because the first woman has something that this woman wants. And I've been praying about it for very long that she's not been able to get an answer. Because of that, she's even considered it not to be an issue. Do you understand? And so, in the middle of the night, as this woman is crying about mourning, this woman too is crying about a child. You see, sometimes we let people's cars, people's houses, people's whatever deceive us that people don't have issues. Sometimes, all of us, there will be gaps. There will be gaps hidden in between, you know. But I came to tell you today that God is a gap filler. The God that was able to cause a flow in the jar of oil for the first woman was the same God that was able to cause a flow in the husband of this woman for her to have a child. And I know that God is able to cause a flow in whatever area that there's a gap. You know, and after this, I want us to pray that God, wherever there is a gap, God is a gap filler. He specializes in filling gaps. One of the things that Jesus, when he came, he was doing that. He was filling, he was filling gaps, gaps of people dead. He brought them to life, sickness, he healed them, this, that, all of He was filling gaps. And I know that some of us, our gap is money issues. Some of us, too, our gap could be a job. Some of us, our gap could be a child. Some of us, our gap, whatever it is, Tonight, this afternoon, you will stand up on the scripture and pray that, Lord, this is my case. If you're able to deal with the Shunammite woman, cause her to have a child. If you're able to deal with the poor, the prophet's wife, for her to have a flow, cause a flow also in my life. In Jesus' name. But I want us to look at lessons that we can learn from the two women. The first lesson that we can learn from the two women is the, the, the first one is the importance of recognition. You know, I started talking about it the importance of recognition. You know, to recognize. What does to recognize mean? To 
to recognize means to acknowledge, to appreciate, to identify, to validate, to admire, to approve, to commend, to acclaim, to esteem, or to honor. The prophet's wife identified and recognized the prophet Elisha to be a man of God that I can go to, that there will be a solution that I can get. And the rich woman too also identified, you know, the Bible said that she identified the prophet to be a holy man of God. You get it? You see, there is nothing that will come to you that, you will not, that you've not recognized. Matthew chapter 23, 37 to 39. Matthew 23, 37 to 39. I'm reading from the screen, so yes. So this is Jesus speaking. He said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stoned those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So Jesus was saying that you shall not see the power I carry. You shall not, you shall not be able to see the things that I do until you say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. What he's trying to say is that there are certain things that I'm doing that will happen again unless you recognize the people that I sent to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I tell you, as believers, there are so many things that we need to recognize. As a believer, you need to recognize the importance of the Holy Spirit in your life. Amen. Yes, some of us, we don't, we don't, we don't even, until we come to church that we say that, oh, we hear Holy Spirit. We don't even see that we have a Holy Spirit. But Jesus told us that he will not leave us orphans, but he will leave us with what? A comforter. That is the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And you need to recognize the importance of prayer. You see, the reason why you are not praying is because you don't recognize it. Amen. Because you see, let me use this example. Anytime you are hungry, you recognize it. That's why you eat. If you don't recognize it, you know it. And some people can go through the day, they are okay, until they decide to fast. Then the body will begin to tell you that, you know what? <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Yes. And I've written here that most things in you, you need in your life is already in your life, merely awaiting your recognition of it. Most of the things that you need. Remember, the woman, the, the, the thing that could help her solve the issue was the jar of oil. She had it. She had it. Yeah. You know, sometimes when somebody's looking for a job, say that, oh, I know this person and this person and this person can help him. This person, I'm not sure. Let me put him aside. Probably that is the person that can be able to help you. Recognition can turn a life of failure to success. Because the woman was able to recognize that the prophet could do something about her case, her children were not taken from her. Her children were not taken from her. 
Recognition activates preservation and promotion. The woman's children were preserved because she recognized their prophet. The rich woman was promoted to a mother because she recognized the prophet. Recognition can move you from obscurity to significance. Until Zacchaeus decided to recognize Jesus and decided that, you know what, I'm going to go ahead, go on the sycamore tree and just dis- and see if the man can identify me. We wouldn't have known that there was a short man that lived on during the days of Jesus. That was a task collector. Uh, that was a crude man. We wouldn't have known. Until he decided to recognize Jesus. And Jesus also decided to recognize him. Some of us could be finding ourselves in some obscure situation because we are not recognizing certain people that we need to recognize. Hallelujah. And the second one that we learn from them is that obedience. Obedience. So the two women recognized the prophet. We are looking at how we can move from our gaps to overflow. You know, sometimes some of us know our problems, but when solutions are being given, they are not interested. All that they want is that they want the problem to be solved. As you how they want the problem to be solved, they are not interested, but they just want it to be solved. But sometimes you have to obey. The Bible says to obey is better than sacrifice. The prophet's wife obeyed the instructions of the prophet. You know, sometimes after the story, when you are reading it, you, you, because you are not in the situation, sometimes you're able to, you know, you don't even, it's like watching a movie and watching it again. The suspense and the, you, you don't feel it like the first one. It's like watching a football match that you know the score. Like you know that oh, Manchester scored uh, Barcelona 3-2. And you are watching the game again. There is no excitement in the thing. So, after, because we are reading the story after the woman had done it, we don't see what it took her to do to obey. One, you are poor. Two, you don't have any support system. Your husband is dead. Three, your children are being will be taken from you. Then you go to a prophet who tells you that on top of your issues, go and borrow. I don't even have the credibility to borrow again. <laughs> You know, some people have borrowed so much that their credit score is so bad. <laughs> yes, their credit score is so bad that no bank wants to give them any loan or give them a mortgage or whatever. And the prophet is telling her to go and borrow. And she did. What have you been told in your secret place of prayer that you are not doing? Or better still, what have you heard it being said in the house of God that you are supposed to do that you are not doing? Or better still, what has your parent or your guardian or whoever given you to do that you are not doing? That you are still praying? You know, sometimes our disobedience serves as a blockage. It's like, until you do it, forget it. It's not going to happen. In the book of Psalm, sorry, Isaiah chapter 1, I think verse 19, he says that if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Isaiah 1.19, I think. Yes. It said, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Having the ability to enjoy the goodness of the land comes from a willing and obedient heart. You know, some of us obey out of 
Like, if I don't do it, they will say I don't respect. So, I'll do it. But the Bible wants us to be willing and what? Oh, I cannot hear. Willing and what? Obedient. Willing and obedient. Yes. Because sometimes, even if you do it gradually, it might still happen. But the best is for you to be willing and obedient. The prophet's wife was willing and she was obedient to the cause. Amen. And the third one is the seed of sacrifice. The seed of sacrifice. The prophet's wife stood upon the credit of her husband. You know? When she came to the prophet, she said that the prophet, your servant, who happens to be my husband and served you so well instead. The question I'm asking you is that if you were in the same situation, what would have been your reference point? What sacrifice or what seed have you sown that you can stand upon to say that, Lord, I also need this? Remember the scripture I read in the book of Matthew? He said that the man has built us a synagogue, so the man needs your attention. Hallelujah. The Shunammite woman too, because of her generosity and because of the givings and the, the things that she decided to do, she placed a burden on the prophet. You know, there are some people that because of the help that they give to the church or because of the help that they are helping towards the cause of God, God is always thinking that what can I do? The other day when King Solomon had sacrificed so much, God himself came down and said, what do you want? What do you want? That you are disturbing us with so much sacrifice. What do you want? Can that be said of us? That what do you want? You know, that famous scripture, Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things shall be added unto you. Seeking the kingdom of God by serving in his house, by working in his kingdom, is a seed of sacrifice. You understand? Yes. It's not everything that you pray about. Some of them, you just give a reference point. Like in Ezekiel, I said, I cannot die. It's not all that I've done for you. I cannot. The Bible says that they added 15 years to him. Yes. The seed of sacrifice. So I want to encourage you that, you know, if you are not doing anything that is catching the attention of God, you must begin to change your mind. You know, there are so many things that you can do. There are so many things that you can do. But begin to make sure that you are placing yourself at a very strategic place. That when you call upon God, because you know sometimes when everybody is presenting their case to God, say, oh God, then we pray and pray and pray and pray. Then somebody too is praying and adding sacrifice on top. It is not the same. What makes an altar powerful? What makes an altar potent is the sacrifice that is placed on the altar. Yeah, even if, and when I say altar, I'm not just talking about altar in the context of a Christian altar because other religions to uh, uh, do altars, right? Yeah, some of them uh, pour uh, blood, all those things. You see, don't deceive yourself that, oh, the only powerful force on the, in the world is Christianity. It's true. But you see, if you don't sacrifice on the altar, in your case, the altar will not speak. That's why some people went and said that 
we cast you out in the name of Jesus that uh, Paul, it is too long. So the people were like, Jesus we know. Paul, we, but who, who are you? Because Jesus had sown the seed of sacrifice. Paul was still sowing the seed of sacrifice. You don't want to do anything. You just want to stand on somebody's shoulder and come and say that. Uh, we cast you out in the name. We don't even know you. It's the seed of sacrifice. See, that's why the other day Jesus said that this thing, it can only go by what? Prayer and fasting. Because it's also a sacrifice. You are sacrificing your flesh. You can't have your flesh 24-7 and still be experiencing some spiritual encounter. It will not happen. You get it? Everything, you know, for even a relationship to work, you have to sacrifice. Or? Yeah. Or it's not true. Should I call some people to come and give examples? <laughs> Hallelujah. Some people have virtually changed their location where they used to stay just to make a relationship work. Yes. That's a big sacrifice. Oh, please don't look in the direction. I beg you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes. So if somebody can change location to make a relationship, what are you changing to make your relationship with God work? You know, you, I'm not saying you don't have a relationship with God. You do. But on a certain level to be able to get certain things, there should be sacrifice. Am I speaking to you? Yes. And I pray that from today, you begin to rearrange your priorities. You begin to rearrange your things in such a way that you find your place, you find yourself at a place where you can consistently be sacrificing. And you see, one of the things about sacrifice is that the more continuous it is, the more powerful it is. Yeah. That's why we tell people that, you know, pray every day. Because how it works is that it's not just, oh, I pray for, I do every energy, or I do every half night, last Friday of the month. So, you know, when I come, I box all my prayers in the month together, and I pray that prayer, and I know that God is able to segregate them every day, and I will just, no. 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 If you have, if you have a relationship or a wife or a beloved or whatever, and you tell the person, you know what, we'll meet one Friday night and we do all our conversation. We box it together and we know every day that you think about me, just remember one of the conversations and just be rolling it over. Does it work? Does it work? Yes. And the same thing with God. You know, for us to have a potent altar, for us to begin to walk in the overflow, you might begin to sow seeds of sacrifice. And, and you'll be surprised what will happen to even all of us if all of us even begin to sacrifice more, even in the house of God. There'll be an overflow. There'll be an overflow. You move from the place where people are working on you to the place where you are working on others. There'll be an overflow. So that you can always reference God and say, God, you know what? I've paid my dues. I've sacrificed. So that you sacrifice to the point that you place a demand on God. You place a demand on God. In the name of Jesus. Amen.